Well, we're pleased to uh, once again be joined by Nick Roush, Kentucky Sports Radio. You got to give him a follow at Roush KSR on the Twitters. Hey, he co-hosts the best Kentucky football podcast out there, the 11 Personnel with Adam Luckett, who's also been on the show. So just want to say thanks again, Nick, for joining the show. I really appreciate it. No, I'm, I'm happy to be on here. I know I, I can feel that football season is upon us when we're getting into conversations like this. So happy, happy to be on and kind of, it, it felt like a newsier June than normal because of the football recruiting, you know, finally being back and back to in-person stuff. But I just feel like we're going to be trudging through the muck and mire just to, <laughs> to get to the, to the good hot, hot, hot take season down at SEC football media day. So re- really looking forward to that. Yeah, for sure. And I hope you appreciate the fact yeah, I lit up the blue. I did that for Kentucky. I did that just for you. So <laughs> thank you. Thank I'm you. ready for this one. And hey, I got to you know give you a shout out for your hustle. I want to start right off the bat talking about Kentucky adding Dare Rosenthal. But uh, you went and watched a guy work out. What can you tell us about uh, just you watching him work out and, and his addition to Kentucky's roster? Yeah, he uh, it's one of those things. So uh, to, to peel back the curtain, I found out a few weeks back that Kentucky, it, it was like, oh, the Cats could be getting another transfer portal guy. And when I, fa- I first found out it was an LSU offensive lineman, I never uh, – I never would have expected it would have been their starting left tackle, who's looks like a first round draft pick. When the news came out of that, it was potentially Derek Rosenthal. Kind of, uh, you know, it, it became a poorly kept secret there for a while. Uh, and then the day it actually became official, I was able to go watch him work out, watch him train, spoke to him for five, 10 minutes or so. Uh, first off, you, he looks like the kind of first round offensive tackle kind of grade where. Six seven, really lengthy guy that I just I don't know about you, Mike, but these these modern day linemen are just so impressive to watch because they aren't just big fat guys, you know, they're great yeah. athletes, and he is an incredible athlete. And I think uh after leaving that conversation with him, it was one of those where um I, I think we overlook the value in having a proven success story. Uh, you kind of see it in the high school ranks when a school gets really good at recruiting a certain school. You know, they see their former teammate doing well, so they want to follow in that guy's footsteps. Uh, you saw that with Kelvin Joseph, uh, where he comes to Kentucky, uh, is there for a year, has a ton of interceptions, gets picked in the second round. Even though he opted out a game earlier than they would have liked, I think it was an overall success for both parties. I think they were pleased with how it worked out. Dare sees that he was classmates with the guy. It all made sense for him when he was ready to make that move uh, to go to a place like Kentucky that has a lot of offensive line talent. So uh, Kentucky's offensive line, I think it was going to be one of the best before this edition. And, I, you know, I, I'm not as well versed elsewhere, but I, I, I'm i willing to say that they've got the, the best offensive line in the SEC right now. Mm, well, I was going to ask you that already, but you answered it. All right, perfect. But uh, any idea where Dare's going to play? I mean, he could play tackle, he could play guard, or is it maybe a little bit too early to say, considering the fact he just joined the team? It's tough. You know, I, I wanted to – I tried to get that out of him a few times, <laughs> but, uh, I, I, you know, he was just, uh, I'm happy to be wherever I want to be. And even asking around some folks close to the program, they weren't willing to say one way or the other because – uh, part of the pitch to bring back Darian Kennard, who is a 
preseason i mean he, he's going to be a consensus preseason all-american mm-hmm. at tackle part of the reason he came back he wanted to show nfl teams that he could play left here's the thing i think eventually they might say darian you know you're kind of probably going to end up playing right anyway i know that's not where the money is but you're kind of built for it so so i could maybe see them keeping dare at left uh because he has more of the pass pro rest because he has that length uh, leaving Darian. So you got Dare and Darian. But I think when it's all shakes out, you could have uh, two first team offensive or two first round offensive tackles uh, <laughs> at Kentucky, which, man, doesn't happen often. But, uh, you know, really what John Sharman helped do. He, he, he Kentucky's now an offensive line school. And uh, that's saying something considering that for the longest time we thought Kentucky had to win based on gimmicks here in the Bluegrass. And now it's like, no, they're, they're winning with, with, play on in, in the trench mm-hmm. now i wanted to ask you too about uh, kentucky's recruiting because it started off and they're still they still got a top 25 class but it slowed down a little bit here in the month of june mm-hmm. and i don't know if you're a subscriber to the athletic or not but they just had a really interesting article on the state of ohio and just mm-hmm. the fact that uh you know kentucky goes there so regularly and more than just mentioning kentucky I would say uh, Vince Morrow was mentioned about a dozen times in that article. Just, you know, the fact that he knows everybody up there. And if a kid's not going to Ohio state, number two, he's probably going to Kentucky because of Vince Morrow. So how, how big is he in uh, this Kentucky recruiting class and just the success that uh, the program keeps having on the recruiting trail, because they keep selling this is going to be the best recruiting class ever uh, under Mark Stoops anyway. So I don't, what can you say just about, Vince Morrow and, and just the job the entire staff's doing on the recruiting trail for this cycle. They, they've had to, uh, what's what's the exact word? Recalibrate was the word that Mark Stoops used because they did take a, a hit when Steve Klinkscale, he was the guy who recruited Michigan for Kentucky. He got the highest ranked signee in the internet era uh, from the state of Michigan and Justin Rogers, who's going to be in that rotation as a three-tech defensive tackle this year. Um, they got, they've got a lot of high quality players from the state of Michigan. Clean, finally, Michigan was like, we just got to hire this dude. <laughs> we can't, we can't, we can't let these guys slip through our fingers. So, uh, there were, there's a couple guys. I know, um, uh, Miles Pollard from Na- the Nashville area. He recently committed to Michigan. That was a guy who Kentucky was in a good spot before the clean scale departure. So they, they'd taken a hit a little bit in that aspects. Uh, but I think for the most part, uh, the other recalibrating word is I think it was a, all right, let's have a solid foundation, but let's kind of slow play so that we can really hit the transfer portal hard because that's really where they've done their best recruiting is in the transfer portal. Wondell Robinson is going to be a, you know, all sec caliber receiver. At least that's the hopes if the quarterback position works out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mentioned Dare Rosenthal already. Uh, they got Jacquez Jones, a linebacker from Ole Miss after uh, they, they suffered a pre a spring practice season ending injury. So they, they, Instead of loading up with early commits and trying to hang on, they got about a dozen or so guys, a lot of in-state guys, and that's where Morrow's really cashed in. He's got some some kids from Cincinnati Moeller, which is a big-time private school in Ohio, but the rest have been getting you know four stars from Kentucky, 
you got Keontae Goodwin, who he's technically in the Indiana recruiting rankings, but he's he's from Louisville. He grew up in Louisville. He just plays high school ball across the river. Uh, he's a top 50 guy. Uh, or, or a fringe top 50. Yeah, Grant Bingham's a four-star offensive lineman. So they've got, I think, five of the top seven players from the state, give or take. So that's kind of how they've laid the base. And then they they picked up the Wade Twins from Tennessee. Uh, and you're going to see a lot of recruiting battles, I think, between Kentucky and Tennessee down the home stretch where Kentucky's like, all right, we've got a good base. Now l- let's go get some big fish uh, in Georgia Alabama, Mississippi, Tennessee to kind of finish things up because uh, as much as they still do get guys from Ohio, they are kind of going more toe-to-toe with with uh, SEC schools. And I think their hope is that you kick Tennessee while they're down, you know, really pour some salt in those open wounds while the Vols are, you know, because let, let's be honest, Mike, it's, it's probably <laughs> going to be a long year in Knoxville. So once the games start getting played, I think Kentucky's confident that they can – uh, they can do. They, they can open some eyes down in SEC country. I can only imagine what Vince Morrow and Mark Stoops are selling, punishment wise for Tennessee. The death penalty is coming. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, they 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 just don't have any McDonald's bags to hand out. You know. <laughs> Let me ask you this: we're Getting into uh, you know we're less than a week here from SEC media days, and you're seeing all these lists. It doesn't matter who it is. You know, pro football or or this outlet or that outlet. Nobody's got Chris Rodriguez as the best running back in the SEC outside of Kentucky Sports Radio. And uh, I don't know if you follow SEC Stat Cat, Clark's, Clark Books. He's he's outstanding. But, I mean, aside from that, there's just not a whole lot of love out there for Chris Rodriguez. And why do you think that is? And, and do you have him as the SEC's best running back? I'm not, I'm not going to be falling for the Tank Bigsby. I mean – it's one of those things, first off, you just got to consider that Auburn's going to be a team that it's they're in rebuild mode, and it was already going to be a seller's kind of year for them. But the thing with all of these preseason projections and all of your teams, a lot of it is just, all right, what did you do for me last year? And the thing that people won't read between the lines within Rodriguez is that he wasn't a high-volume guy. So the guy, is, is it Kevin Wilson? Is that his name in South Carolina? Kevin Am Harris. Is his name right? Kevin Harris. All right. Kevin Wilson's the coach at Indiana. Got my Kevins mixed up. But he was a high volume guy who got a ton of yards. I mean, led to SEC and rushing. And people are will just look at the kind of raw stats simply. You don't see on the stat line that Chris Rodriguez didn't get tackled for loss until the bowl game. He didn't get tackled for loss in the bowl game. He averaged, I think, north of six yards a carry and was still. In, in just pure yards, I think in the top eight or some odd in, in overall rushing yards last year. And that was missing a game down at Alabama with COVID protocols where they were going to end up leaning on him heavily. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of it is just seeing through the numbers. And then there's also just the – Mark Stoops' team is not a popular team down in Hoover. They're just not. Yeah. They're never going to be. Stoops isn't the guy that's going to go up to the podium and make a bunch of people laugh. He's not going to – do a bunch of selling. It takes a rare uh, salesman like Benny Snell to to put up a couple thousand yard seasons for to people to get noticed for folks in Hoover to pay attention. So when we go down there next week, I still anticipate UK to be to not be even the third team in the East. That's going to be Drinkowitz. They're drinking the Dorkowitz Kool Aid. I can already feel it. It's coming. So I that's where uh, you know I, I'm not surprised. 
but you know what? I actually think Kentucky relishes that underdog role. So I kind of invite the that uh, the disrespect card that they'll kind of get down there. Because Chris Rodriguez, not only do I think he's the best running back in the SEC, but I think if in this, not only with the additions on the offensive line, right, we're really the only question mark is at center. Important spot to fill, but you have a loaded offensive line and you've got an offense that's going to be able to utilize play action more. Kentucky has been one of the best rushing teams in the SEC without any passing threat at all. So if you can just give a semblance of play action, some sort of explosiveness in the passing game, that's going to open things up for Rodriguez. And I think, no, you know what, Damon, I'm on that SEC podcast. I'm going to make a hot take. He's going to, he is going to break the single season rushing record. It's the only rushing record Benny Snell doesn't have. I think he can get up into the 1600 yard mark and break one that Mo Williams set back in 95. Uh, I know that doesn't scream a lot, but that's the kind of year that he can have that puts the UK in that nine win, you know, kind of stratosphere and, and really puts them in a position to tick off a lot of people in the SEC. All right, boom. There's a, uh, there's a clip I'm, I'm going to make. So there, <laughs> <laughs> There we go. That, that's that, that. These are the kind of takes that I, I need around <laughs> SEC media days. Down. Exactly. You know, really get fired up ahead of the season. So you already talked about Wandale Robinson. Safe to say he's, unfortunately, we didn't get to see him in the no spring game or anything like that. But, uh, mm-hmm. hell, I just posted a clip that Kentucky gave us, you know, all of us in the media, and it got like 10,000 views. I mean, safe to say he's living up to the hype. I mean, what's the expectations for him this year? He's one of those guys that, He's all what's fun about like it, it's really weird because he initially committed to Kentucky and then decommitted like a week before signing day. So there was a lot of animosity, especially to a place like Nebraska. You know, it'd be one thing if you went to Alabama or something, but Nebraska really rubbed folks the wrong way. Now that he's back, it's the I, I don't think it's wishful thinking to kind of wish that he can make up for two years in one year because they do have an offense that should uh, open things up for him, give him some more opportunities and just have like Josh Ali was a solid receiver last year. Uh, I want to say he had 53 receptions, something like that, which is the second most by a receiver in the Stoops era, but he was the only guy. That's part of the reason why he got so many. I think having two guys there in reliable pass catchers at tight ends should make things more balanced to where, uh, these guys can actually get open in one-on-one coverage. And let's say, you know, second and two, you, is, as much as you want to watch out for the play action, perfect way to play, you know, you, you make everybody think you're running outside zone left. Wandale's lined up on the left side and they come drop a play action. He just does a short drag and catches it three yards down the line of scrimmage, makes a guy miss in one-on-one and goes 40 yards for a game. He's going to bring a big play factor that Kentucky just hasn't had since Lynn Bowden and really since that 2018 season because in 2019, he was just a big play waiting to happen from quarterback. He didn't really get much going in the passing game you know, with all the injuries at quarterback. So just having that elusiveness, I don't think he's necessarily a – uh, like it's not like Elijah Moore speed where Lane Kiffin's drawing up some just one-on-one stuff over the top. He's going to get open on a few shots, 
but he's more of that lateral side to side breakaway kind of elusiveness where versus the the top end take the top off the defense that's the the one thing kentucky is missing is just a guy that all right he's our deep play guy he's going to make the safety backpedal a little bit quicker than normal they're still missing that but wandale's giving them some big play fact that they haven't seen in a while now mark stoops always gets uh, a little aggravated with you in, in particular when you ask about the quarterbacks i've noticed so <laughs> hey i'm not asking mark stoops i'm asking you who do you like for the starting quarterback? Will Levis is it going to be or Joey Gatewood, Bo Allen? Who does Nick Roush have as a Kentucky starter to, to begin the season? So I was buying Bo when, when the season ended. It, it's fun because you kind of see how the, it all fluctuates <laughs> uh, throughout the offseason. When the season ended, I was, I was buying Bo Allen stocks. When – Will Levis got entered into the transfer portal. I was like, oh gosh, I was wrong. This is the pocket passer that Liam Cohen wants. This is the guy he's going to go out and get. Bo Allen, that's for two years down the road kind of deal. Then when spring practice happened, I think Cohen was pleasantly surprised at how well Joey Gatewood took to the coaching. That probably helps when you've been through three different offense coordinators in as many seasons. So, uh, I think Gatewood is going to make it to where Levis has to really bring his A game every day. But I still think that ultimately, uh, the week before uh, game week, Levis is going to get announced as a starter. He has the raw tools. He runs well. Uh, I, the thing that I don't know about with him and with all these guys, and some of it's not having a spring game, uh, but it's 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 the accuracy stuff, uh, and you know, I, when it comes to quarterbacks, Mike, I don't know about you, but I feel like teaching somebody accuracy after three or four years is you're, you. There comes a point where you're beating your head against the wall. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Auburn fans, uh, even though I've been taking a lot of shots at them re <laughs> in this show, I think they feel that to an extent with Bo Nix. Tennessee certainly knows that with Jared Garantano and hell, even South Carolina with um, the kid who hell he's now, he went to Utah and now he's, I think Bentley, he Jake Bentley. Yeah. Jake Bentley. And, and, you know, each one, of course, is, has different nuances to their struggles. But I think in Gatewood's case, I haven't seen a large sample size, but I just wonder if that's going to be there or not. I know Levis worked with a uh, quarterback's, the biomechanics guy to help kind of fix that. So so maybe that could make him a little bit more accurate. I read but, that uh, article. I didn't understand a word of it. <laughs> yeah, because there, there was a lot of just – um mumbo jumbo but my thoughts were okay let's get the hips and the shoulders to kind of work together in unison and you know it, it may be all mumbo jumbo but levis could at least feel the difference in the way he was throwing now can he develop the camaraderie in the huddle can he develop those connections with his wide receivers uh that quickly I know Gatewood had the locker room in the spring. Can can Levis be that good uh, in the summer to win that job? I I don't know. I think so. Um, that's why I'm. I, I believe he'll ultimately be the starting quarterback. But we're gonna have a fun, you know, two weeks or so of assessing out what happens and judging every single throw that we get to send out to us in a clip and every 
you know, practice report whisper whenever they get together at Kroger Field for a few preseason scrimmages. What are your expectations? You've talked about it briefly here with uh, Liam Cohen's offense, but I mean, I, I would imagine the the expectations there in Big Blue Nation is, is sky high. Is that fair, or uh, you know, because he's bring, he's bringing the first uh, the first one to be bringing that McVeigh offense to the SEC. So I mean, there's real potential for I think the the rest of the league not to know how to handle it. What are your thoughts on that? So I, when you, William Cohen is very wise to name drop when he does. He'll, he'll, you know, I was on the phone with Joe Brady yesterday, or, you know, I was on the phone with Sean. He doesn't say McVeigh. That's, you know, it, it's just Sean. They're on a first name basis. But I think a lot of folks wanted it to be Kentucky's Joe Brady. And that's just not going to be the case. You don't have, the skill at wide receiver like LSU had, you don't have Joe Burrow at quarterback. You know, the, the tools, are, the weapons just aren't there to have that sort of offensive explosion. Mm-hmm. Now, I do think the tools are there to improve the running game and use that. I mean, it's so simple, Mike. Like, when you run the ball that well, you should be able to take some big shots out of play action. And I think just by making the play action a more reliable part of the game, I, I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but pro football focus, you know, they, Kentucky was ranked in the bottom like hundreds or something in play action pass. They just weren't utilizing it well enough because in the inside zone, there's not enough. It doesn't, the, the it's a, not a slow developing play. The mm-hmm. outside zone is slow enough developing that it, it forces the defenses to actually bite on it, makes play action more effective. So make a long story short, Kentucky's actually done decent running the football and scoring points, but they just haven't been explosive enough. I think they add some explosiveness to they, they add some more big plays to their offense. And instead of it averaging in the mid-20s, uh, 25, 26, I think is what they were scoring per game. I think they're going to average 34, 35 points a game. And really, I, I – there's going to be times this year where their offense, they're going to have to lean on them to win some football games. And if you want to upset some good teams out there, if you want to upset Florida, you're going to have to put up some points. You're just going to have to put up some points to beat a Dan Mullen football team. So uh, I, I think that they're going to be much improved. Where in that pecking order, I'm not quite sure. But I think just with their basics that they already had, you add a few tools that they should be able to score more points this fall. And and is it enough to beat Florida? I hope so. But I think after losing a lot on their defense and kind of having a lot of turnover luck, I mean, they picked off 1,700 passes last year, give or take. So uh, they're going to, they're going to, you can't rely on that many interceptions again. You can't rely on your team to lead the league in picks. So I think the offense is going to have to score some more points for them to, to be successful and win some games. Yeah, uh, Garantano is not playing them this year, to my knowledge, unless it's in the bowl right. game. It's, that would be nice, though, wouldn't it? I mean, <laughs> I mean, just think how tick Garantano would be awake. I'm like, gosh, I got to play Kentucky again. Four more interceptions. Hey, we've reached the point of the Mark Stoops era where, you know, I think in years past you lose a guy like Josh Allen, it's how the hell are we going to replace this guy? Now we've lost a couple more draft picks to the NFL – defense is lacking starting experience overall maybe not in the at the safety position but have we reached the point where you know they've got enough depth I'm looking up and down the roster I mean it's touted recruit after touted recruit coming up so are, are the expectations there that the Kentucky defense is going to be just as good if not better 
despite losing some NFL talent? So I, yes and no, I, I, Kentucky is really solid up the middle. And I think Yusuf Corker is a guy that should have his name on all SEC teams at media days. And he probably won't. You know, they'll just somebody from LSU or somebody from Alabama will get there. But Yusuf Corker is going to end up being one of those draft picks next year that you aren't hearing about now that you're going to be hearing about in the last week of April. So, folks, just go ahead, write that down, Yusuf Corker, NFL draft pick. That's going to happen. They've got a four-year starter or at least a four-year contributor at linebacker in DeAndre Square. He's played a ton of football at the Will linebacker spot. You've had some injuries at the other spot, and you had Jamin Davis leave unexpectedly. Um, but Trevin Wallace is the most prolific recruit they've got uh, to play that position ever. He is going to be a bona fide star in due time, uh, and I think he's really going to get rocking and rolling. But the part that I worry about, they really like their corners, their safeties. They're loaded up there. The corners are younger, but they, they Cedric Dorse played a lot of football as well, rotating in and out. The part that I worry about is just the pass rush because J.J. Weaver was in the middle of his best game against Florida. His first career start as a redshirt freshman, a four-star from Louisville, tears his ACL, and that game was in November. So how how fast is he going to be back? And when he comes back, how much explosiveness does he still have out there? Uh, That's a big question mark that uh, I'm, I'm just not going to be – I'm going to be a skeptic in that regard. Jordan Wright is one of those guys who's good at getting to the quarterback, not necessarily great at getting him to the ground. So uh, Josh Paschal, he's really the key to making this defense special. Uh, he was the guy, if you all don't re- recall, he had skin cancer two years ago, uh, found a piece of melanoma on his foot, had surgery, went through immunotherapy, came back and played uh, in that, uh, what do you you call the FCS kind of weekend, played in one of the final few games for Kentucky that year. But last year, you know, he was getting frustrated at times. It took him a while to get his explosiveness back. He's got that full season under his belt, and the Stoops is normally pretty uh, reserved. He just could not stop heaping praise upon Pascal in the spring practice. So, and, and Corker was as well, just talking about how he, Pascal was really doing a great job of bowling up plays. So if he can get in the backfield and make some line of scrimmage plays, uh, I mean, that's really what Kentucky needs. They're a bend, don't break defense. And they just get opportune big plays. They're good at those havoc stats. So if you can find some havoc stats from Josh Pascal, Yusuf Corker is going to be a star, and I, and I think Kentucky's defense is going to be one of the better defenses in the league once again. Last thing, Nick, I just want to ask you about the schedule. Week two, huge game, Missouri. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a crossroads type game. How big of a game is that in your mind for uh, Kentucky's upcoming season? Well, that that's a game that if you want it to be special, you that's – that's where it starts because you have the opportunity to build some momentum. Uh, You go on the road. I mean, the road SEC games are South Carolina, Vanderbilt, and Mississippi State. Those are pretty – it's pretty winnable. And Mm -hmm. so you've got your tough games at home. If you can win that game in Missouri, you're looking at 5-0 with Florida coming in town, probably a top 25 matchup in October. That'll be a raucous, raucous crowd. So beating Missouri is imperative. 
Uh, and it's something that the coaches, uh, they actually were on Kentucky Sports Radio a week ago. They aren't shy about it. They want that Missouri game. They feel like they were the better team last year. They let that game get away from them. Some of it, they're extenuating circumstances. That was uh, the first game that John Sharman missed. And, I, you know, they all knew that they weren't going to get him back. Uh, that was that was really kind of somber but put all that aside they still gave up I think five fourth down conversions and Larry Roundtree just ate at him three yards at a time so I do feel like even though Missouri will probably be picked to finish third in the east I think Kentucky's got a better football team they lost a ton of guys to the transfer portal Larry Roundtree ain't walking through that door um and then the other kid's name uh, they're running back now. He is a talent. Uh, not Higby, not Hogby. Uh, Young? Ba- Batty. Batty. Oh, Batty. Batty. Yeah, Batty's good. Batty. Yeah, Batty's a good back. And I think Connor Basilak's talented. But you can't overstate just how much they lost on defense. I mean, they got gutted. So I, I do think Kentucky will have the better football team. Uh, but that's a game you – you got to win. And I, I think it's going to be the first big time atmosphere at the Krogue in a long time. So uh, a rowdy crowd, a revamped offense. I, I think it should do enough to, to get a big win in week two and really give the cats some momentum uh, early in the season. Now, what about the teams that, you know, you may not be having them beat in Kentucky, but the vast majority of people like I'm thinking Florida, Georgia, LSU, mm-hmm. if Kentucky's going to beat one of those teams this year, which one are you most confident that they'll that they'll find a way to upset? I think I'm probably I would be more ready to say that Kentucky's going to win at home against Florida than on the road at Mississippi State. Starkville's a house of horrors for Kentucky. They have lost by three plus touchdowns. I, I think the last umpteen times I've been there. And if you look at the Florida series. That's been a very close game uh, over the last four or five years. And Kentucky's only got one win out of that. And I know last year turned into a blowout. But, I, you know, I think in the second quarter, it was a 7 nothing, 7-3 ball game, you know. So just the way that Kentucky's played them close lately, and I, I know that we give Dan Mullen a lot of, of praise when things are going right but you know the 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 hinges were wobbly like those those wheels they were about to pop off and they did at the end of the year mm-hmm. he, you know he, he was making excuses left and right and hit the bowl <laughs> game but you know you you he lost a ton of talent and he hasn't been recruiting like florida's uh, i think they want to be recruiting so um to, to have to have to, to lose kyle trash to lose kyle pitts uh I, I'm, I'm not i mean but for Christ's sakes, Kadarius Tony was a thorn in UK side forever. That guy, uh, you, he was probably undervalued for the talent that he was. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even mention uh, Keon. Uh, uh, man, I'm really bad at names right now. Grimes but, is another really good receiver they lost. Yeah, yeah. They lost a ton of talent there. So I could very well see that being a nice, uh, a nice game for Kentucky to sneak up on people. Georgia is the one that I'm – as much as Kentucky's playing close, I'm worried that that JT Daniels is finally going to give them an offense. I don't know about you, Mike, but mm-hmm. they got some potential there, even with the Pickens injury. So, but I, if I'm circling one on the calendar, it's that it's that Florida game. All right, last question for you, Nick: How bad is Tennessee going to be Kentucky this year? <laughs> 
Oh man, I I I appreciate how much the volunteers uh love hate this podcast. Mm-hmm. I really do because there there is a contentious relationship there. Um but you know what? Here's the thing. Tennessee, I will I will I will oblige and give Tennessee fans credit. They're going to win a game they're not supposed to because of this offense. They just are. They they they're, they're going to get dumb and lucky. I was on this uh, on the other end of this 20 years ago. 25 years ago and now the air raid has come to knoxville (laughs) tennessee you're finally going to be able to try to beat teams with a gimmicky offense good luck it's it's fun (laughs) every once in a while you score points but you lose a ton of football games that way and oh man three and outs they're going to be fast and furious Uh, I, i just i don't know who their savior is supposed to be but whoever it is it's not going to happen this year and whenever probation comes down the iron fist shuts them down ufc k in knoxville they aren't going to be able to last they aren't going to be able to last for long in sec that administration who good, good luck josh heupel good luck because it, it's going to be tough sledding for years and years to come well nick you just made a lot of friends in knoxville but uh, hey give them a follow at roush ksr you gotta subscribe to the 11 personnel podcast and check out all his stuff on kentucky sports radio nick i really appreciate uh, all the time and uh, this was as, as great as always oh i appreciate you having me on uh oh it's been a pleasure uh can't can't wait to get the the ball kicked off this fall all right so want to say thanks again to nick for hopping on the line here and uh, going so long Nick's a great guy, does a hell of a job there for Kentucky Sports Radio and on the 11 Personnel Podcast. Again, you can find links to all that in the show notes to his podcast, to his Twitter. Must follow both of those if you're a true SEC football fan. So, man, you can hear it in his voice. You can probably hear it in mine. Ready for the season, ready for SEC Media Days right around the corner. I'm getting fired up just thinking about it. But uh, just want to say thanks to each and every one of you for hanging out and listening to a college football podcast here in the middle of July with, you know, we're right around 50 days till the season starts. And this will be our biggest year ever on the podcast. If you're not already following us on the YouTube channel, go ahead and check that out. I'm actually putting this uh, Nick Roush interview, the video aspect, all of it on, on our YouTube page, that SEC podcast. We're trying to get that going. Shane and I have invested a ton of money in camera and lighting and all this garbage to make us look halfway presentable we're not going to be fully presentable this season i guarantee it but we're going to try our damnedest here and uh, that's just a great way to to show us some love and show us some support go on over to the youtube page and subscribe won't cost you anything it's absolutely free to do that as always we really do appreciate each and every one of you listening to the show and giving us that five-star written review on the Apple Podcast app. If you go ahead and do that and send that review on over to us at thatsecpodcast at gmail.com, we'll send you a beer koozie of your choice, free of charge. Once again, that's just our way of saying thanks. And uh, Hey, we've got more great interviews lined up in the coming days, so there's going to be a lot of podcasts. Keep uh, refreshing your podcast app. Leading up to SEC Media Days, where we're going to have wall-to-wall coverage of that event next week. But thanks for tuning in. Catch you on the next one.